coaches I see that are there for the right reasons and there um, to serve the athlete. So I definitely think that, um, and I'm not saying that this is a male versus female thing, but at the beginning it was very much just like a boys club and like you knew a guy that knew how to work out and he was the strength coach, you know what I yeah. mean? Um, and now it's people who genuinely, I mean, this is, what you have to do is, is no joke. I'm not saying like we all went to med school and shit like that, but like we all, you know, we have master's degrees. We did unpaid internships. Like I, um, you know, I worked for free for a, a lot of time, right. To be able to do this. Um, so I think we're seeing an increase in the amount of people who really care about the profession and who really care about the kids. Um, and that includes more females, which I love because I think that, um, females in, in coaching positions is, is super important um, all around, um, especially working with female athletes. Um, the bad, I guess, is, um, is, is the expectation, the lifestyle is not, is not congruent with the pay. Um, and I think it's unfair. I think it's really unfair, you know, for, and I understand athletic directors, you know, deserve to be paid a lot of money. Like they have a lot of experience, things like that. But it's really hard to buy into something, um, you know, where everybody at the top making hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars is like, hey, we're here for the team. We're here for the team. And you're like, I work 90 hours a week and I can't even get a fucking apartment because we're in a college town. So I like what team am I on? Because I, I need a room you know? Um, but you know what I mean? Like it sounds ridiculous, but especially, um, in like some of the assistant and associate positions, like you can't, you can't live on that. You have to do something else. And what time do you have to do anything else with either let me make no money and work 40 hours a week so that I could do something else on the side or pay me to work the amount that I work. Um, so I think that's, that's the bad piece of it. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot more good and bad. And then the ugly, I think, would just be, um, I think it is tougher mentally, athletics as a whole, on a lot of people than a lot of people realize. Um, I think athletics is an environment that is really, has a lot of passionate people. Um, and I don't think people always know how to um, channel that passion in constructive ways, especially when you know, we're all running on three hours of sleep and nobody's eaten or worked out in a month and a half. You know what I mean? But it's just like this Petri dish of all these like angry, underpaid, really passionate people. And there needs to be, right? I, I don't think people understand how, um, you know, how charged it is in there, right? So I think that is the ugly because it's like you go into a weight room, you're expected to perform for these athletes, right? Like it is just... Like you have to be there, you have to bring it, you have to bring the energy, like your job is so performative. And then you go into a meeting and somebody's like, hey, uh, you're a dumbass. And you're like, well, I mean like shit, you know? Um, and, and this happens to to everybody, right? And it it's a cycle of who you work with and who you work for and things like that. Um, but there's just a lot of non-constructive activity happening under the surface. And I think that's why you see coaches that, you know, really love the kids and really love the field decide to leave because mentally like they they can't handle it anymore right <clears throat> double clicking on that for a minute is that why you think so many coaches are either going tactical high school or even just selling for you know various companies 
Um, yeah, I think a lot of the coaches that I've talked to, um, and, you know, even kind of broadening that, um, to like athletic trainers or RDs, because like I was talking about the RD earlier, like she's very talented, great at her job. She's in tactical now. Um, and I think because it's, they cultivate the environment to be so high stress. Um, and it's something that a lot of, a lot of people don't want to deal with long-term. So I think absolutely, um, you know, that's why you're kind of seeing this exodus a little bit. I think that obviously in combination with the pay, um, but just, I think that lifestyle, if you are committed to it and you're doing it and you're in it and you're like, Hey, I'm not cutting corners. I'm working the 80 hours. Like I'm there for the kids. Like after a while, it's going to eat you up. Right. Um, so I absolutely, I think that's, that's a big piece of it. <clears throat> Going back to what you said about the good service, what does service mean to you and what does it look like? Um, for me in athletics, especially it was being, having confidence that every decision I made was in the best interest of the athlete and trying to communicate that as effectively as I could to the athlete and the people around me. So I don't need the athlete to always like me because they won't. Um, but I do, I do demand a firm understanding that like I am there for them, right? I'm there for them, you know, within the confines of the weight room, but also, you know, as somebody who respects them and wants to see them do well and cares about their physical and mental health. Um, so for me, that service portion was, you know, I can deal with all the other stuff. I can talk to the coaches, talk to the other, you know, whatever. Um, but I will never have to defend a decision that I made because it was not in the best interest of the athlete. Does that make sense? So that was kind of the basis that everything fell on um, and and everything else just kind of got figured out from there. Yeah, no, I mean, that's if that's your guiding light, like you said, everything else will just kind of fall in line, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, what is the best aha moment you've had in training people in strength and conditioning um, over the last, like, you know, actual X's and O's type stuff. Like what's the b biggest thing that you've learned or the biggest change in your program? Because earlier on in the show, you talked about like, Hey, I don't want to keep doing SOS. So how has, you know, Jessica evolved over time? Um, I think in, from an X's and O's standpoint, um, the, I mean, the biggest, that's a really good question. I think when you're outside of it, um, it's easy It's easy to think it's more complicated than it is, right? So you're like interning and you're like reading the program and you're like, what the fuck is it? Like, why is he doing this? Like, you know, and really it's just like, well, we're goblet squatting because like these kids can't hold a barbell, right? That's why we're doing that, you know? Um, and so I think realizing that everything was like a lot simpler than I thought it was and realizing that nothing that I was doing had to be complicated for it to be effective. And the thing that I could do that was most effective for the athlete was actually uncomplicate everything. Um, and so, you know, my, uh, I started kind of stressing a lot less about my programming and stressing a lot more about the quality of movement that I was getting on the floor and the, um, like what I was seeing in the athletes in terms of paying attention to them, you know, at practice and the way they moved and while they did their sport and, you know, kind of, um, getting into it on that level versus being like, well, what if I did this, you know, single arm instead, like just, you know, the stuff that doesn't matter when we're dealing with kids that have a young training age, right? Especially females who do um, naturally a lot younger than guys because a lot of them haven't been exposed or haven't been exposed properly. Um, so I would, 
I would say that simplifying everything and putting my effort into um, something that was actually going to make a difference. So like I said, ensuring like that quality of movement, energy in the weight room and just creating a positive experience for the athlete versus sitting at my computer, you know, moving exercises around in an Excel sheet. Cause we've all done it for hundreds of hours. So I mean, we've all done it. So do you feel like, <clears throat> so what you're almost saying is like the, uh, I forget who did the painting or the sculpture of Michelangelo, but it's like, I didn't create it. I just cut away everything that wasn't it. Is that kind of what you're alluding to here? Very much so. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I, kind of realized, you know, you are a combination of a lot of like the better coaches that you've worked with, right? That's my coaching style. So, you know, there are coaches at Michigan that I got a lot of early experience with um, that really formed kind of how, how I coach and how I operate. Um, and, you know, there are also things that I saw that I'm like, why are they, why are they doing that? And that, you know, over time, and that's molded like how I, how I train and I found that the most effective um, result that I get is when I, I simplify it for the athlete. I take away all the intimidation, I take away the complication um, and we just focus on doing the simple things correctly and doing them often and doing them better than we did last week. So, For you, what are kind of your KPIs then like that you need to see somebody do in order to progress them over time, whether it was when you were in college or now with your um, online business and in person? You know, so the, obviously those are two very different things, right? Um, KPIs for me, and I think people talk a lot about these and there's so much like needless conversation around like what matters, right? What metrics matter for like these athletes, right? And we get into the nitty gritty and we're like, what tests can we do to see that our athletes are improving? Um, and for me especially, and I'll kind of go off my example of female athletes because that's a lot of the experience I've had. Um, and, you know, none of these are necessarily statistical or super complex, but a KPI for me is, you know, A, are we, are we getting stronger in some way week to week? Obviously, right? You know, I, I go through these cards like crazy. I'm, you know, trying to make sure that everybody is at least putting in more effort week over week. But a KPI for me is quality of movement, right? Like if I see somebody who just starts to move better, especially not in the weight room, but doing what, you know, they're there to do. So playing lacrosse, doing gymnastics. Um, I'm super happy with that. Uh, comfort in the weight room is a KPI for me, right? Having a positive experience in the weight room, because the first thing that I know about 18 to 22 year olds is if they're not having a good time, they don't fucking care about you. They're not going to try like they, and they will let you know, right? So it's, you know, I'm not sitting there looking at these, like, which I am, but I'm not obsessing over like Nordboard data and force plate metrics and saying, oh my God, like, how are we? I'm like, hey, are we coming in here and putting in a quality effort? Are you moving well on the field? And I'm looking at all of that stuff behind the scenes, but I'm not going to judge the efficiency of my programming on, you know, 50 vertical jump numbers that I got, you know, throughout the season. Um, you know, if those things match up with how we intend them to, with the periodization that we implement, that's fantastic, right? If we get more powerful, if we get stronger as we're coming up to season, which we should already, but that should be a side effect of all the other stuff we're doing, getting more comfortable in the weight room, getting more comfortable with movement and moving better on the field. Um, so kind of in the same vein as like simplifying things, I tried, I watched a lot of coaches get really caught up, um, in the data and the numbers in like these KPIs that they insisted were direct correlations 
with performance on the field that just aren't. Like we cannot make those claims, right? But we can control our controllables, which is, hey, are we getting stronger over a given period of time? Um, and are we, is the weight room a positive environment? And is it having a positive impact on our sport performance on the way that we move on the field or, you know, in the gym or things like that? If that kind of makes sense, right?